maximum potential. Would all of you here like to reach your maximum potential? Yes. I would. Amen. The Lord began to deal with my heart about this in prayer, and that's usually where it always takes place in a, in a time of prayer. And, uh, and I want to, like Paul the Apostle said, I've run my race. I've finished my course. He completed his course, and he said, there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me in heaven. Amen. And I think all of us here, we want to be able to say, like Paul said, I've run my race. I've finished my course. Now, that doesn't mean that we haven't made mistakes along the way because all of us have. Amen. But let me tell you something. God's a lot bigger than our mistakes. Don't ever let past failures create future fears. Let me say that again. Don't ever let past failures create future fears. Just because you might have made a mistake or failed at something doesn't mean, I mean, I think of one person, primary example is a guy named, I know you've never heard of him, Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> Honest Abe. And uh, I didn't bring the list, it just came to my mind right now, but, you know, of course he was one of the most powerful presidents in American history, you know. And uh, freed the slaves, created the Emancipation Proclamation, and uh, boy, did he have some resistance, didn't he? He had some resistance. But, you know, it, I, I never knew this until somebody, I was reading this in a book, all the failures that he had before he became president. He ran for all these different offices and lost, you know. He had some failure, uh, family losses and his wife and his kids. I mean, he had all kinds of losses, you know. And he, he had a string of like 25 losses, major losses in his life. Then it says that he ran for president and such and such, and he won the presidency. Okay? So the guy didn't give up. He didn't quit. Amen? And one of the things we have to understand is if we don't quit, we will win. Amen? The easiest thing in the world to do is quit and give up on any given thing that you're trusting God for. And the biggest problem that we have is we're looking at our watch, we're looking at our calendar, we're thinking, man, if it should have happened, it should have happened by now. Let me tell you something, things don't always happen overnight, but if we hang on to our Jesus, we hang on to the Word of God and we trust Him, He will bring us through. You see, as long as you're breathing, as long as there's, your heart is beating and you have breath in your lungs, there's still room for hope and there's room for change. And it can change. Amen? Now that's the Word of God. So we've been talking about reaching your maximum potential, and we're sharing just some basic fundamental keys that a third grader could get, okay? The first thing we talked about is this. If we're going to reach our maximum potential, I'm just going to list this because of the sake of time. I'm just going to review briefly. Number one is ask God for wisdom daily as a child of God. Ask Him in the morning when you wake up. Ask Him for wisdom. Scripture tells us that wisdom is the principal thing. Amen? And with all thy getting, get understanding. So uh, no matter what age you are, I don't care if you're in school or you're still in grade school, you're here in high school, you're in college, you're, you're married, you're a grandmother, great-grandmother, it doesn't matter. How many of you know we could all use some wisdom? I need wisdom on a daily basis. Now, the Bible says if any man lacks wisdom, and James, let him ask God. Amen? So all we have to do is we say, Father, very simply say, I, I need wisdom today. I'm asking you for wisdom. And that's why the Bible says that we're not to be wise in our own eyes. It says that in Proverbs chapter 3. We're to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts 
And don't lean to our understanding, our intellect, our mentality. But in all of our ways, acknowledge God and he shall direct your path. Amen. And I'll tell you, with this ought, for a Christian, this ought to be a lifestyle. We, we should acknowledge him every day of our lives. I'll be bold and say from shout it from the housetops, we need to acknowledge God more than ever before. And a lot, of, a lot of people's problems start and begin because they're not acknowledging the Lord in their lives. And they're just making choices and decisions and not even inquiring of the Lord. But it's just a smart thing to inquire of the Lord and ask His wisdom for things before we endeavor to step out into particular areas. Amen. Because He will guide us. He will lead us. Amen. So the first thing we looked at is ask God for wisdom daily. Secondly, we talked about this last week. And this is how to reach your maximum potential in your life. Ask God for wisdom daily. Number two, recognize the Holy Spirit's role in your life. Recognize the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, I had you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and look at verse 16. Now, we looked at this last week, and I'll just touch on this for a minute here. By all means, if you, if you weren't here, grab one of the CDs from last week. Okay, they're back there just to get caught up because we can't cover all this stuff again. You know what I'm saying? But in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, and it says, the scripture says this, Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. All right, now, he's going to say this very same phrase. I'm just going to quote but in, in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 through 20, and then also 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14 through 16. And you see this phrase that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. What does that mean? That means God's dwelling place, if you're a believer, is inside you. Oh my goodness. Amen. It's not just you walking around in those shoes. (laughs) It's more than that. You have God Almighty in the person of the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of you. I look what the, the Apostle John says in 1 John 4, 4. He says, you are of God, little children, and you have overcome the devil. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Praise God. Now, is that good news or is that bad news? Okay, well, you can respond a little bit. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Greater is he... That is in you than he that is in the world. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So when you, we're talking about reaching your maximum potential. Step number two is is to recognize and acknowledge. That's the big thing is acknowledge that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Sometimes I just like to remind myself of that on a daily basis, you know. And I'll say to myself or I'll look in the mirror and I'll say, you are the temple of God. I double dare, double dog dare you to try that today in the mirror. Go look in your mirror and look at yourself and point at yourself and say, you are the temple of the living God. Now, you might feel a little strange doing that, but you know, you'll get over it. You talk to yourself anyway. How many of you talk to yourself? <laughs> okay. Well, there's nothing, nothing wrong with saying that's part of what meditation is, is muttering, saying. Amen. So you might as well say something that's going to benefit you. Amen. When I first started doing this many, many years ago, and I was in my early 20s, I started looking in my, my rear view mirror, my car, and I'd say, you are the temple of the living God. 
Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And I tell you, that did more spiritually for me because I was taught to do that. And it was new territory for me. I wasn't used to that. I wasn't acclimated to doing that. But I got over it. Amen? See, we got we to get out of our zone of comfortability, right? We're so used to doing things a certain way. And sometimes it's good to shift and shift gears and come over here and try something you never did before, praise God. Only this is going to benefit you greatly, amen, to realize your body is the temple of the living God. And when I realize that my body is the temple of the living God, then fear goes out the back door because when fear tries to come against me, I realize it's not just Brother Keith standing there. It's God on the inside of me. And greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And he will put you over. Amen. Why did God put his spirit in us? Just to kind of walk along with us and not do anything? No, God always does things for a purpose. God always does things for a reason. He put his spirit in you for a purpose and a reason. See, it's not just me. I'm, I'm conscious of the fact that it's not just me walking around because I know within myself I have nothing to offer anybody. But if I know, and I'm conscious of the fact that the the Christ, Colossians 1 says, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. When you realize your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, you won't be so defeated in your emotions. Do you know all the quit is not in your spirit? It's in your head. Most of the time, almost all the time, when you want to quit or give up on something, any given thing, or quit trusting God... All the quit is in the pressure that's in your soul, in your head, in your mind, in your emotions. But yet your spirit, there's no quit in there. Amen? The pressure the, the enemy mounts is in our thinking, on our mind. Like it's too late, give up, you know what I'm saying? That's why people take their lives. That's one of the saddest things somebody can do is take their life. Because they feel like there's no hope. But there is hope. There's supernatural hope in Jesus. Amen? Amen. Instead of taking your life, give it to Jesus. Let him do something with it. Amen? Amen? I did that when I was 16 years old, and I've never been the same, and I'll never regret it one day in my life. I'll tell you, it's changed my life. It's changed my destiny. It's changed everything in my life. Amen? I can wake up in the morning with a smile on my face. That doesn't mean I don't have challenges, but I know greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Amen? Now, if you wanted to hear some depressing sermon, you came to the wrong place today. Okay? Now, the gospel's good news, not bad news. It's good news, and it's going to lift you up. So this second thing is vitally important to realize that recognize the, 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 the place of the Holy Spirit in your life. Okay? Now, today, let's go over to 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. And I want to talk about this... Uh, Third key today, third key to walking in your divine destination in your full potential. And I tell you what, I can't wait to share this this morning because this is so powerful. I'm telling you, it'll transform your life. Amen. You know, I got to thinking about this. If I'm not excited about the Word of God that I'm reading or hearing, it's probably because I really don't believe it. You know what I'm saying? If what I'm about to hear is the truth of God's Word, hallelujah, and if I believe it, it will affect me. 
I mean, what if I stood up here and I say, you know, every one of you here, after the service, I have $5,000 I want to give to each and every person in this building. How many would stay after the service? <laughs> Only if you believed it. I did this one time years ago in our, in our first church. I, 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 uh, I scotched tape, uh, I think it was $5, or $5 bills on the bottom of every seat. Nobody knew it. Okay, I, got, I went in there before the service and I put scotch tape and I put them up under the seat, you know. And I talked about how that you can be sitting on something in your life, but you don't know it until it's, you have the knowledge of it. Okay? And when I announced that, you never saw such commotion in all your life. Everybody pulling up their chairs, whoosh, pulling that thing off, you know. And I said, my point is this. I said, you were sitting on that the whole time and you didn't know through the whole service. Okay? And you have an inheritance in Christ Jesus that belongs to you, but if you don't know about it, you can't act on it. You can't partake of it. You can't receive it. But every time, I like what uh, Pastor George said in, in Texas, in George Pearson's, he said, every time we have church, it's the reading of the will. Did you hear, everybody hear that? We're reading of the will today, what God has died for you so that you can have now on this earth, not when you get to heaven. We're reading the will today, what belongs to us. I like that. That's really good. I can't even improve upon that. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, Now the Lord, wait till it comes up here on the screen. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Say liberty. liberty. I'm telling you, you don't have to go through the liberty tunnels. This is a city of tunnels. Now the, where the Lord is, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. When God's Spirit is in your life, you now have freedom that you didn't have before. <laughs> Say, I'm free. I'm free. Hallelujah. You're not in bondage. You think you are, but you're not in bondage. You have freedom inside of you. Because the, where the Lord is, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, freedom. Amen. Now, if you came to be entertained this morning, you came to the wrong place. Okay? Our job is not to entertain. Now, the gospel is entertaining, but our job is not to entertain people's flesh. Our job is to feed you the Word of God that's going to help you to overcome. Hallelujah. Now, it says... Now the Lord is that spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and there is freedom. Now look at verse 18. It says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Now the King James uses the word glass. Okay? But we all with open face beholding is in a glass. But how many of you have a translation that says mirror? Raise your hand. Okay. That's more accurate. Okay. Now when this was written, they didn't actually have mirrors. Okay. They had, they had glass and they could see somewhat of a reflection back in those days. Or even shiny metal. But it wasn't a true reflection like you have today with our modern mirrors. Where you see it exactly the way it is. Isn't that true? So let's look at it this way. Verse 18, let's read it like this. But we all with open face beholding as in a mirror, 
the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, this third key that I want to talk about is this today. We have to see ourselves as God sees us. To see ourselves as God sees us. Why is that so important? Because so many times we only see ourselves with our own estimation or what other people think about us. And that's, that's not all that important. What's really important is how does God think of you? How does God see you? And to me, this is one of the most, to me, to me personally, when I was really young, I had some issues that I had to overcome. Okay? And all of us do. This, this particular key here helped me more than any, and it still to this day helps me more than anything else, that I would see myself as God sees me. See, a lot of people have a wrong conception about how God views them and sees them. I, I've talked to a lot of people through the years, and a lot of people uh, have the idea that God's always kind of ticked off at them, kind of mad at them, kind of upset and a lot of that has to do with whatever particular religion you were brought up in where they, they conveyed that. Okay? That God's in a bad mood. He's upset at you, you know, and so forth. How many know what I'm talking about? And it, it's a minister of condemnation. But in Christ, there is no condemnation. Amen. He is not looking at you down his nose, so to speak, and condemning you. He's looking at you through eyes of love, eyes of mercy, and eyes of the, through the blood of Jesus. That's how God sees you. Now, this is really important right here because he says, now we look into this glass or mirror, all right? Now, let me, let me use this illustration. I think you can get this. But the Word of God is likened unto a mirror with the exception that it's not. Now, we all know what a, what a natural mirror is. How many of you looked in the mirror before you came here today? Everybody? Three people. Okay. All right, Pastor Keith. All right. How many of you looked in the mirror before you showed up here today? Even briefly. Okay. Now, you're so acclimated to doing that and so used to doing that, you don't even think twice. It's, it's like they use the phrase no-brainer. You don't even think twice about it. You just make sure everything's all right. You know what I'm saying? And uh, you don't even think twice about it because you're so, you've done it millions of times probably if you've been on this earth for a while, right? You don't even think twice about it. Now, that's a natural mirror, correct? And a natural mirror will reflect what you look like physically. In other words, it'll tell you if there's a hair out of place, if something needs adjusted or whatever, you know what I'm saying? You want to look nice and so forth. All right, so that mirror will give you a reflection of what, you look like, okay? Now, I've been, maybe you have too, but I've been in different places. I know at Kennywood Park, they used, I don't know if they still haven't been there in years, but they used to have a section there where they had these funny mirrors. I don't know, has anybody been there lately? I don't know if they still have it, but they used to have a section over there, and you would go stand in front of one mirror, and you're about nine foot tall, okay? It was a distorted mirror. You would step over, you would step, yeah, over into the next mirror, and you're about nine foot wide. Okay, and people get in front of those mirrors and they laugh and have fun with it, rightfully so, you know. But wouldn't it be crazy if someone stood in front of one of those those distorted mirrors and looked and said, "Oh my God, I didn't know I'd look like that." <laughs> Nobody would even do that. 
It's just meant for laughs, right? So it's a distorted image of what you look like. But you know that. You know that. All right? Do you know how many people have distorted images of who they are and the way that God sees them because they've been looking at a distorted image and it's based on lies from the enemy? Okay? And yet people believe that. They're like, nobody in the natural would believe one of those mirrors and think, oh, that's, I can't believe I look that way. You know what I'm saying? We know that's a fake, right? We know that. But yet, more importantly, people look into their so-called their image of what they think they look like, and it's nothing how God sees them. You know, God sees you differently than we see ourselves. God sees, He invested, He shared this with me. He said, Keith, I invested far too much in you to quit and give up on you. He, he is so committed. He, he, he was the jumping off point, so to speak. He, commit, he gave everything. He poured everything into you. And he believes in you that you're going to make it. Hallelujah. And so this, this mirror, we know that a physical mirror will tell you what you look like physical, physically. Correct? Well, the Word of God, and I love this subject. I'll tell you, I just love it more than anything. The Word of God is not a physical mirror. It's a spiritual mirror. That's what it says right here. That we look into this perfect law of liberty. That's the Word of God. And when we look into the perfect law of liberty. Now, let me give an example. Way back, in, I started lifting weights when I was 12 years old. I got tired of getting beat up. You know what I'm saying? It's like the cartoon, you know what I'm saying? And I lived in a pretty rough part of town, you know, and, I, and I'll tell you, I, had, I, was, I was so thin and so skinny, I had no muscles, <laughs> as Popeye would say, you know. And uh, how many of you ever watched Popeye before? Watching that, you know. I did the spinach and everything. I thought, man, that's, when I was young, I did. I thought, works for him, it'll work for me. Honest to God, I got pictures of me doing it too. Now I didn't realize how nasty that stuff is in a can. I was like, Mom, get me some of that green spinach. I want some of that spinach. She goes, All right, son. She opened that thing up. I about lost it. I thought, Oh. But I thought, Well, it's worth it because if he, it gave Popeye muscles, it'll give me some muscle. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, needless to say, it didn't do much. You know what I'm saying? But, but I remember when I was younger, I, my parents, when I was 12, I remember it was exact, I was 12 years old. Uh, my parents said, Keith, what do you want for your birthday? I said, I want some weights. I need some weights. I've I got to put some muscle on me, you know, because, I mean, I was so skinny you could stand sideways and you wouldn't see me, you know what I mean? I was, uh, that's a long way from now, that now, but, that, uh, you know, I couldn't gain weight if I tried back then, you know? And, uh, but that all changed when I turned about 25, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, so anyway, I, I started lifting weights and so forth, you know, what I knew about it. You know, this is the old plastic weights, you know, with concrete on the inside of them, you know, back in those days. And, uh, and I started to see a little improvement, you know, but somebody gave me a couple of those muscle magazines. Okay? You know what I'm talking about? You ever see those, yeah. those, those bodybuilders, you know? And, and I got a hold of those things, and they had the, the center part, you know, where they got the, the, the champion, you know what I mean? He's posing and all that, and I thought... Oh, my God, he's got muscles on top of muscles. You know what I'm saying? So I'm getting a vision for myself. I'm 12 years old, right? 
And I'm thinking, I was serious about this. So one day I got the idea. I said, I'm going to take out that center picture. It was two pages long. It was about that high. And, uh, and I, I, I ripped it out of the magazine, and I cut the, where the face was. I got a pair of scissors, and I cut the face out. And I took my school photo, and I put my face in there. So I thought it really like a pencil neck, you know what I'm saying? And this huge body, you know? And, uh, and I'm talking about image, okay? And I put that thing in my basement. That's where I lifted weights, you know? And I put it in front of me. And there's a little mirror right there. And I put that thing right there. And I had my face with that body, okay? And I was, I was serious about it, you know what I'm saying? I was, and everybody would laugh at it. Oh, my God, what's he think he's doing, you know? I found out later some other people did that too. You know, I wasn't the only one. But I was serious about it, you know. And it's like I put that before me and it gave me a, vi- a, a vision, so to speak, of what I could become like in the natural, right? Because I, I wanted to build muscle. Well, it took a few years, but it, things started to improve, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and I, I kept that vision before me because that, at that point in my life, when I was 12, 13 years old, I wanted to have some muscle, you know what I'm saying? And uh, so I, I did that. Right? So I put that image before me, and when I saw that image before me, it gave me the right picture on the inside of me of what I could become. Are you with me? Now, the Word of God is not a physical mirror. It's a spiritual mirror. And there's things in the Word of God that will tell you what you really are and what you look like. Now, I have back on that uh, shelving back there in the middle back there, I, I typed out a bunch of things for you to take home if you haven't got one already. Um, and there's, it's two papers. And it's, it's scriptures. It's, just, it's not real long. It takes a few minutes to do it. But these are scriptures that tell you who you are in Christ. I, I encourage you to take one of those as you leave here today. And if we run out, I'll bring some more next week. These are scriptures that talk about who you are in Christ, what belongs to you. Amen. And the way God sees you. And God's not mad at you. God loves you. For God so loved, remember that scripture in in John 3? The famous scripture, verse 16, for God so loved the world. Who's the world? That was us. For God so loved you that whoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. The next verse says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that through him the world might be saved. So the Lord's not condemning the world. He said, look, I love you. I died for you. I shed my blood for you. Okay? Now, if God did that for us, the Bible says he loved us while we were yet sinners. Jesus, God loved us unconditionally while we were yet sinners. And if God loved us while we didn't do anything for him, while I was a rank sinner and he still loved the hell out of me. I'm not cursing. Jesus loved the hell out of me. When I found out how much he loved me, it delivered me from darkness and I gave my heart to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, if God's not condemning the world, why would Christians condemn themselves after you become a child of God? Because self-abasement, self-punishment never helps you. Now, if you miss it, there's a Savior there to help you get right back up. His name is Jesus. (laughs) Amen. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. This mirror is vitally important. 
that we see ourselves who we are in Christ. Let me give you an example. I'll just quote this. 2 Corinthians, 5th chapter, 17th verse. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, is that you? That's woman too, right? Mankind. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, everything has become brand new. That's talking about you. I am not an old creature. I'm a new man. I'm a new species of being, the Greek says, that never existed before. I am in Christ. I am a new creation. I'm a new creature in Christ. And so when I look at a scripture, I am in Christ. That's part of that scripture that's back there on those papers. Amen? So I'm in Christ. And if you're in Christ, you're a new creature. A new creature. A new species of being. A brand new person on the inside. Hallelujah. By doing that, you're seeing yourself the way God sees you. Now, that's just one scripture. Okay? Now, a few verses later in verse 21, it says, 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, For he hath, that's God, for God hath made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. There's that word, in him. In Christ Jesus. So when you're in him and you're in Christ Jesus... The Bible says that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, it used to be a mark of humility and it's actually religious bondage. The people didn't know that if you asked them, are you going to go to heaven when you die? I sure hope so. Okay? I sure hope so. Well, the, the fact is, we better know so. You don't want to leave this earth and think, well, I sure hope I go to heaven. Mm-mm, that's all, it's too late. Too late. There are people in hell today that sure hope they'd go to heaven and they went to the wrong place. Because it's not based upon hope. It's based upon a belief in Jesus. Did Jesus die for you? Did he shed his blood for you? He went to hell for you. He did. He went there in your place, in my place. He was raised from the dead for you and me. And he was raised up to sit at the right hand of God the Father. And his, his, his death, Jesus' death was not his own death. His death was your death. His burial was your burial. His resurrection was your resurrection. His ascension was your ascension. His seating is your seating. He didn't do it for himself. Everything, think about it, everything Jesus did, it was not for his own benefit, it was for our benefit. I should have been in that grave. I should have died. But Jesus did that for me. I have been crucified with Christ. His burial was my burial. His resurrection is my resurrection. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that we've been raised up to sit with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, far above demons and devils and evil spirits. Read it in Ephesians chapter 2. You've been raised up. I've been raised up. Where are you? Seated at the right hand of God the Father. Hallelujah. I dare you to take a hold of these scriptures today, I'm telling you. 
and start decreeing them and declaring them glory over your life and just watch and see what happens. You'll never be the same. You won't be able to sit still in that chair. I'm telling you, you'll be like, Lord and God, something's happening on the inside of me. You know, sometimes in the north, people say people are so reserved in the north, you know. That's changing in Jesus' name. Amen. It's okay to get excited. It's okay to show some enthusiasm. Amen. You know, people, do, that's no mystery to people here in Pittsburgh. You know, if you go to a Steeler game, you will not see people reserved. You will see people painting their faces, they're looking crazy looking outfits, you know, in the, in the craziest weather. It can be 20 below zero. You know what I'm talking about. Die-hard fans, you know what I'm saying? And that's a football game. I mean, I like football like anybody else, but you know, they didn't die for me. They didn't shed their blood for me. But Jesus did. Oh, baby, he shed his blood for you and he shed his blood for me. And it's okay to get enthused with what he did for you because it is the truth. It's the truth. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and there's freedom. But it has to start with a spiritual mirror that we're looking into. Now, when I say this, this doesn't take a lot of your time up. You understand? We're not talking like three hours a day, something like that. This can take a few minutes. You can take one scripture. Take that one scripture of who you are in Christ. Meditate on that. Speak that. And, and on a daily basis and start seeing yourself, it'll change your image on the inside. Amen. When I realized years ago, I can't count now how many years it's been, but when I realized that Jesus became sin, he took all of my sin, all of it, past, present, future. Not only that, he gave me the gift of righteousness. And he says, here, take this gift. Amen? You can't work for righteousness. You can't pay for it. You have to receive it. It's in Romans 5.17, it's the gift of righteousness. What's that mean? Right standing before God. Amen. And when I've realized that, I don't have to say, oh God, are you up there somewhere? You know, I can whisper and God hears me. Hallelujah. Because sometimes we think, oh, we've got to raise our voice. We've got to turn the volume up a little bit. You know what I mean? But let me tell you something. You can whisper and God hears you because where? He's on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Do you ever have a conversation with God from the inside? That's where he lives. And that's how he talks to us. That's how he communicates. So, many, so oftentimes, though, we shut him out because we don't think that's him talking to us. But he is talking to you. And if you ask him to speak to you, if you ask him to talk to you, you won't hear it with these ears here. You'll hear it inside your spirit. You'll hear it inside your spirit. Because that's where God lives. And so often, we think it's the spectacular and we miss the supernatural. Because someone says, I have God spoke to me. And sometimes people think, well, you heard it audibly, you know. But very, I've never heard the audible voice of God with these ears like I hear you when we have a conversation. But yet, I've heard the voice of God inside my spirit, and it's more real than you talking to me. To hear that voice, oh, it's wonderful. Amen. It's the most wonderful thing. He will talk to you driving down the road. He will talk to you while you're at work. He will talk to you in your kitchen. 
He will talk to you while you're getting your shower, just going about your business because he loves to communicate. Do you know God loves to talk? Amen? God loves to talk. Anybody know any people that like to talk? <laughs> They'll come up fair one of these days, right? <laughs> and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not criticizing that. But I'm, but I'm saying, boy, I'll tell you, when, when God's talking, I want to hang on every word he's saying. Whew, glory to God. Amen? Major comfort. Major encouragement. Isn't that right, Brother Glenn? Major comfort, major encouragement. He lives inside of you and he lives inside of me. And he's the comforter. He comforts through words. He talks to you. He communicates with you. Amen. And I know that, I don't think, I know this morning he's using my voice to communicate to you because, you know, sometimes we need something in the flesh to hear it too, right? But, 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 but after you leave this place and you go about your business, oh, the Holy Ghost is going to be talking to you. Amen. Sister Nancy, when you go to work, God will talk to you. When you're out doing your miles, God will talk to you. Amen. Because God goes where she goes. Because he lives on the inside of her. And I'm, you can say that with each and every person here. Spirit of the living God lives on the inside of you. Now at first when you start, in conclusion today, when you first start to look at scriptures of the spiritual mirror of who you are, and that's our third point today is, is to, to uh, uh, reach your full potential. This third point is so important. You have to see yourself as God sees you. See yourself as God sees you. Saturate yourself with the Word of God, teaching tapes, you know, uh, scriptures. Just, just, just download them every single day. Listen while you're driving down the road. Okay, put some, plug it in. Nowadays there's all kind of stuff. I got all kind of, on this telephone here, man, I got hundreds of hours of teaching on this thing. It's wonderful. I can put it on anytime I want. Amen? Amen. <laughs> want to do it for you right now? <laughs> Just kidding. But, but you're, you can hear stuff that will literally transform your life. On any given day in any city in America, you're bombarded with information. I mean, whew, man, you got stuff coming for the internet. You got the news media. You got all kind of stuff coming at you all the time. There's many voices in the world. And they all have significance, the Bible says. But the most significant voice that you want to hear is the voice of God, is the voice of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen? Now, when you, start, when you start declaring what the Word of God says about you, and you start... This is something you don't outgrow, by the way. Okay? Say, well, I've graduated from that, Keith. I did that 10 years ago. Well, that's, this is something you just don't, you don't quit doing. You don't graduate and say, well, I did that 10 years ago. I used to speak the Word of God. But I've, I've grown, Pastor Keith, and I've grown up in the Lord. I don't need to do that anymore. Well, uh, you are deceived. <laughs> no, because we need to keep it before us all the time. We need to keep... Just like you look in a mirror every single day. You look in that mirror. That's that physical mirror. The Word of God is a spiritual mirror. And when you look in a physical mirror, you, you're, you're so used to doing it, you don't even think twice about it. Let's get the same way with the Word of God. I've been, I've been, I've been challenged in this area my, myself, and I'm like, man, I'll tell you what, I want to get a hold of this more than ever before. The basic, the fundamentals. And that's what I've heard said 
that professionals are masters at the fundamentals. You take a golf pro, you take a basketball pro, or any other sport, they're masters at the fundamentals. That's why they're so good. That's why they're professionals. You and I can become professional at working the Word of God in our lives. Amen? And you can get to the point where you don't have a low self-esteem anymore. You don't look down on yourself, you know. Um, listen, God's bigger than your mistakes. He's bigger than your failures. Amen. 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 The Apostle Peter denied the Lord how many times? Three, Three times. How does he have the guts to stand back up and preach to 3,000 people, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like one guy said, he should be in preacher's rehab. <laughs> he denied the Lord not once, not twice, but three times. Three strikes, you're out, right? Yeah, yeah. He denied the Lord. But you know, you see him on the day of Pentecost just a few short days later when he got filled with the Holy Ghost. Now he's preaching to 3,000 people where he couldn't even stand up to one little girl starting a fire and said, aren't you one of those guys that was with Jesus? And he cursed. This is an apostle. He was with Jesus three and a half years. And he cursed, said, oh, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Then he heard the rooster crow. <laughs> Amen. But you know, it's interesting. You never see from that moment forward. That's when Jesus, remember when he reappeared? He kept raised from the dead. And he asked, he said, Peter, he says, do you love me? Three times. He says, yes, Lord, I love you. Remember that? Those three confessions wiped out the three denials. He said three times, Peter, do you love me? Feed my lambs. Do you love me, Peter? Feed my sheep. In other words, feed them. Tend to them. Okay? But you'll never see Peter bringing up his past again. He just... Listen, you know Judas could have been forgiven. But he chose to punish himself by hanging himself. But he could have received forgiveness. He could have. It was there. Peter decided he wept bitterly and he repented. He said, oh, God, forgive me. You know what I'm saying? But you'll never see Peter standing up again and talking about his past. Never again. And that sure wasn't something to be proud of. I denied the Lord three times. You know, I was one of the close apostles. <laughs> Didn't know him. Don't know who he is. Okay? Now, most people would have wrote him off said, oh, there's no way. You look at the Apostle Paul. My God. He called himself the chiefest of sinners. And he said God had mercy on him. He said I was the chiefest of sinners. He would kill Christians. Go into their house. Drag them out. Throw them in jail. He was at the Stephen. When Stephen was stoned. He held their coats while they stoned him to death. He was a persecutor of the church. He was a chief persecutor. And so you know the story. You know. He came in contact with Jesus on the road to Damascus. He was heading there to, with letters in his hand to bring accusation and persecution, great persecution. And he ran into Jesus. And he says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He didn't say, why are you persecuting my people? He said, why are you persecuting me? Jesus took it personally when he persecuted the Christians. He said, that's me you're persecuting. 
not just my people. But Paul wrote in one of his letters, you know, he said, receive us. We've wronged no man. We've defrauded no man. The Apostle Paul said, receive us. We've wronged no man. Now, that had to be who he was in Christ because before this, that he did defraud people. He did damage people. He killed people. Okay? But now he's not seeing himself as the old Saul of Tarsus. Now he's the Apostle Paul. He's a man of God. His past is wiped out. Okay? Don't ever let the devil remind you of your past if you remind him of his future. Do you know his future is not very bright? And that's why he's in panic mode right now. He knows his day is approaching. He's going to burn in the lake of fire forever. When Jesus cast out devils, the devil would speak up and say, Have you come to torment us before the time? And that was 2,000 years ago. How much closer is it now? His destination is hell. Burning in the lake of fire forever in torments. And he belongs there because of what he did. Are you with me now? But when you come to Christ, your past is gone. You are completely 100% forgiven when you come to Him. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I made mention, I'll close this with this little story here today, but I remember back in, uh, right after we had first gotten married, this is in 1986, a couple of years after we were married, my wife always wanted an old English sheepdog. I guess she saw it on some movie or something like that. Is that what you saw and she had a little, she had a little picture, a cutout picture she found in a magazine of an old English. So, uh, anyway, we uh, we found a breeder, you know. We found one that was up in Indiana, PA, and and we got this old English sheepdog. And man, he was cute, just a little ball of fur. But man, he didn't stay short. He didn't stay small long. He grew like wildfire. You know what I'm saying? His name was Henry. <laughs> This is back before we had children and stuff, you know, so we had a little dog, an old English sheepdog, and, and that thing just grew like crazy. He was big, you know. And, uh, but I, re- I remember vividly the one day he saw himself on one of our, ba- our little screened-in back porch. We had a storm window that was, uh, we separated from the kitchen, so he would stay out there and not come in the kitchen, you know. And it was a beautiful sunny day. And he, he saw himself in that reflection of that glass for the very first time. And we're in, we're in one of the other rooms in the house, and he started growling and barking and everything. We thought there's another dog entered into the yard somehow that we didn't see. So it was the funniest thing ever. We walked out there, and, and he's looking at himself in the mirror, but he didn't know it was himself. He was, thought it was another dog intruding on his territory. Anybody ever have that happen to you before? <laughs> We've had some birds do that. I mean, they're like, they see themselves in a reflection, and they crash into the... the it's like, Whoa. You know, like a kamikaze mission, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Hit the, the screen and the window, you know, and yeah. some of them died because of that, you know. But uh, they thought it was another bird, you know. Well, the dog thought there was another dog, but it actually was just him, okay? Now, he figured that out after a few minutes. He realized that's just me, okay? But at first, he thought it was somebody else. He thought it was another dog on his territory. So he started ground and everything, you know. Now, I've used this illustration. You've been here anytime. You've heard me use that illustration before. But point being is this. 
Sometimes when you see yourself, when you look at a scripture that says who you are in Christ, initially, your mind will say, that's not true, that's not me. And you look at it kind of like, it's not doing much for me. Are you with me now? But you just keep looking. And then you look a little closer and you say, that's actually me. I am a new creature in Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, according to the Word of God. Now, and then you start seeing the reflection of the Word of God, of who you are, and when you believe it, oh, it will transform your life. Let me tell you something. It will put a new step in you. You'll go to work. You're, the people that work with you will say, you're not the same person you used to be. Something's changed. What is it? What is it about you? I've had people tell me that through the years. And I know it's because when you see yourself in Him, you look a lot better in Him than you do in yourself. You're beautiful in Christ. Glory to God. That's why Paul said, he goes, we don't know one another after the flesh. We know one another after the Spirit. Now, folks, let me tell you something. When you start, as the body of Christ, as a church, if we start to see each other as who we are in Christ, we look beautiful in Christ. And when we see ourselves in Christ, then we treat one another with honor and with dignity and with love. Instead of looking down at somebody. That banishes all that stuff. When we see who we are in Christ. Your royal priesthood. Now, Paul says, or Peter said this, he says, but you are a chosen generation. First Peter 2, you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A peculiar people. That you should show forth the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. When's the last time you saw yourself as a royal priesthood? Wow, that sounds kind of egotistical to me, Brother Keith. No, when you're saying what God says about you and you're seeing yourself the way God sees you, that's not egotistical, that's being scriptural. I'll say this, I am a chosen generation. Let's say that. I am a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A peculiar people. Now that doesn't mean strange, peculiar, it means set apart. I know there's weird people on the earth, but you know, that's not what that's talking about. When it says peculiar, that means you're set apart. Do you know sanctify means to set apart? That's what that means. It means to, sanctify means to, if I take this and I put it here for that purpose alone, I sanctify. You are that. God has sanctified you through His Spirit, through His Word. Hallelujah. Amen. One last scripture and we'll close here today. But James chapter 1. Let's look at this in the New Living, Josh. James chapter 1, verse 22. And we'll, we'll close here today. James chapter 1. And I want you to notice in verse 22 it says, out of the NLT. Now remember that phrase mirror? The word of God is a what? Mirror. When you see yourself who you are in Christ, you can get healed like that. I'll say that again. When you see yourself in Christ, you can get healed just like that because you realize, wait a minute, Jesus took my infirmities, bore my sicknesses. He took it so I wouldn't have to. Praise God. 
So in James 1, verse 22, in the, in the uh, NLT, it says, but don't just listen to God's Word. Notice that. Don't just listen to God's Word. You must do what it says, otherwise you are fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the Word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for, do, for doing it. Isn't that wonderful? So he said the word is like this mirror. There it is again. It's a mirror. Corinthians says it's a mirror. James the chapter 1 says here that the perfect law of liberty is, is the word of God. Hallelujah. You with me now? Dr. Paul Youngie Cho. Now, I don't think it's the largest church in the world now. At one time, for many years, in, in Seoul, Korea, South Korea. And he's still pastoring there after like 50-some years. Just a little South Korean man. But big in spirit. You know what I'm saying? Just a wonderful man of God. And... Uh, at that time, I think the church, a couple few years back, it was like a million and a half people, something like that. Can you imagine having a church served with, with over a million people there? But I, I know churches now in, in, in Africa, in the middle of Africa, the guy built a church. And I mean, every, every, every week they have over a million some people that come, multiple services, okay? And, and these people walk for miles to get there. We're, not, we're talking hoofing it. Okay, walking through jungles and all this kind of stuff, and it's the largest building in in Africa, actually. And uh, but anyway, Paul Paul Youngicho said that, that in his early days of pastoring, a woman on one occasion came to him had a terminal disease, and this disease, according to the doctors, only gave her a lifespan of maybe less than a year to live because of this particular disease, the way it progressed. Okay, long story short, she came to the pastor during this time and she says pastor I need some I need some help her I, I need healing and so forth you know and he asked her this very question I'll present this to you he said whatever her name was he, he said this he says can you see yourself healed she says well what do you mean he says can you see yourself healed obviously she didn't or couldn't okay and she said he said this to her will you do what I tell you to do she goes, yes, Pastor. <laughs> she didn't argue with it. He says, he goes, I want you to take, and I think he gave her one or two scriptures, you know, like 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes you were healed, and Isaiah 53, you know. And he says, I want you to go home, and I want you to write, I don't know how many times, thou, to 10,000 times, write these scriptures out, write them out, write them out, write them out. And she just said, yes, Pastor. <laughs> and she was just dumb enough to believe the preacher really smart because most people would say well I think it's time to go to the next church and see what they have to say because I want something a little bit easier but say there's a little diligence and effort behind some of these things right she goes home she starts to write out the scripture write out the scripture write out the scripture I mean probably her hand was sore probably had calluses on her fingers you know if you wrote a whole lot she came back long story short she came back to the pastor pastor looked at her and says uh, tell me what's happened he said, your face is like a neon sign in the dark. 
She says, Pastor, I did what you said. And I, as I was doing the writing the scriptures out, I see myself healed. She went back to the doctor, got a report, got the x-rays, came back, had a clean bill of health when she only had months to live. Okay? Now, she, prior to this encounter with the pastor, she didn't see herself healed. Now, she knew the scriptures. She's heard it before, you know. But it wasn't revelation to her. But, you know, when you're in a desperate situation, you'll, you'll do something desperate. Mm-hmm. The one with the issue of blood. You know, if you're in a desperate situation, man, you've got weeks to live, you're going to do something desperate. I don't think anything else is going to matter all that much, right, in the natural so she just buckled down. She said, man, I just started writing it out. As I was writing it out, the Spirit of God began to talk to me, and, and I began to see myself that Jesus took my infirmity. Jesus took that disease so that I wouldn't have to. Okay? So in the process of doing that, looking in that spiritual mirror, the Word of God, she received divine health. She goes, I don't know exactly when it happened, but it happened. I didn't feel any different. But she just knew in her spirit she grabbed a hold of it. You know, you could be sitting there and the Word of God's being taught and you just grab a hold of it. It's, like, yeah. Yeah. it's just like a bulldog. You just bite onto it and say, yeah, that's, I got it. I believe that. I believe that. Sometimes we just have to make a choice and say, I believe what's being spoken. I believe the Word of God. Amen. Just make your mind up. Draw the line in the sand. Say, I believe the Word of God. Amen. Oh, Hallelujah. We don't want a mamby-pamby around and just be kind of wishy-washy about it. We want to say, yes, I grab onto the Word of God. Amen. We don't want to say, I know the Word of God says, but. Now get the but out of the way and kick it out. You understand what I mean? It's the Word of God. The Word of truth. That's what it's called, the Word of truth. It's the Word of life. And that, that little woman in a desperate situation, horrible situation, grabbed a hold of who she is. She saw herself in Christ. She realized wait a minute, Jesus suffered this, so why should two of us suffer? If he suffered that disease, why should I suffer it? He took it for me. Matthew eight seventeen says, Himself, Jesus, took our infirmities, bore our sicknesses. Himself, Himself took your infirmity, took your disease. And by His stripes, by His wounds, ye were healed. Ah. I want to bite a chunk out of a phone book right now. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Never said that before, but <laughs> glory to God. This is how the Word of God works in our lives. Amen. And you know, that, that's one of the reasons you keep coming to church. Keep hearing the Word. Keep coming. Don't just do it once and all. You come faithfully. You keep hearing the word of God, hearing the word of faith inside. It will affect you on the inside. There's nothing more important than that, folks. There's nothing more important than that. To get a hold of the word of God, that's the most important thing that there is in this earth. That's the most important thing. Praise God. And I believe that we're grabbing a hold of it. I sense it this morning. I believe that we're grasping it. We're getting a hold of it. There's something different in the spirit realm this morning. I sense it. Didn't start out that way this morning. It was a little bit... This morning, but that's okay. Because sometimes we've got to work through the soulish realm. We've got to get into the spirit of what, what is being said so the spirit of God can make revelation for us. Amen. Let's all stand up for a minute.
Glory be to God. Praise your heavenly Father. Praise your heavenly Father. With every head bowed, every eye closed for a moment. If uh, I want to ask this question. This is really between you and God. This is private. This is a private thing right now before you and God. But if obviously you're here today, but you're not sure whether or not if you were to die today, whether or not you'd go to be with Jesus in heaven or not, but you want to be sure. You want to make sure. Because it's very important that you understand that this is something you don't want to put off. It's the most important decision you will ever make in this life. Perhaps you were born and raised in a particular denomination, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about a relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I've said this before. You know, everybody in this room knows who the president is, regardless of your political background or persuasion. Everybody knows who it is. But how many people know him personally, one-on-one? It could be any president. A lot of people know about God, but they don't know him personally. They've heard about him. They've heard talks about him. But you can actually know him on a personal level. And that happens to, that happens to you when you say Jesus because he's the one that, he's the bridge between you and God. Jesus is the way. He's the bridge Okay, he laid his life down so you could walk over to the Father. And if you would like to have that assurance in your heart today of your salvation, would you lift your hand up real quick? Just lift it up real quick. Let it down. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Okay. Let's all pray this together here, okay? Say, Heavenly Father, today I make a choice. To invite Jesus into my life. Save me, Lord. Wash me, Lord. In your blood. I thank you for the price you paid for me. I receive it now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.